Over the last year, I think it's become increasingly clear that like consumers are getting informed really quickly. Their level of kind of education around social environmental issues has just skyrocketed, especially in 2020, probably will be even more so in 2021. So if you don't want to get left behind as a business, it's important that you start asking yourself these questions because like the people that you're selling to, whether today or tomorrow or six months from now, or even three years from now, are going to be asking it. And it's better that you kind of are ahead of the tide. Hello and welcome. I'm Shiza, your host of Reinvision Business and co-founder of UpEffects. If you're new to our work, over the last five years, we've loved amplifying and supporting business models that prioritize equity, conservation, and economic empowerment. And now we're advancing this work through our Reinvision Business podcast. This series will highlight the emerging need for responsible trade that uplifts communities frequently left behind. In each episode, we'll invite thought leaders to deconstruct our current systems, and with their help, we'll spotlight models that are re-envisioning business. Together, we'll unearth a blueprint for an economy redesign. In this episode, I'm joined by a dear friend and social impact and sustainability strategist, Amira Jiwa. You'll notice how excited she gets about products and experiences delivering and inspiring all kinds of positive change throughout this conversation. We talk about all the different steps brands can take to become socially responsible and how to build trust with your community. We also cover the steps customers can take when finding aligned products and services. Amira has worked with brands like Sephora, Away, Reconsidered, and many, many others, and draws on her wealth of experience, which makes for an incredibly educational conversation. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. Hi, Amira. So, so good to have you here. You've just been so incredibly helpful for us on our own journey in terms of understanding social impact in a much more deeper way. And I am just, I feel so privileged that you've been able to join us for Reinvision Business today. So thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. And, and that's also kind. I'm really excited for this conversation. Always love to chat with you, Shiza. So Amira, how did you find yourself deep in the world of social impact and this space? What what have you been up to? Yeah, um, well, so I'm a social impact sustainability strategist. And I kind of, a lot of my work sits basically at the intersection of consumer brands and impact. And Um, Like most people who are working in social impact and sustainability, I kind of found myself here through a roundabout way. I mean, I was always interested in making an impact in some form. I just didn't think it would be through business. You know, I thought it would be a more conventional kind of nonprofit, international development, international organization route. I was interested in diplomacy, um, law, human rights, all of those things throughout university. Um, But I was just also just a consumer myself and kind of very conscious and um, excited about the brands that I chose to buy from and that I kind of admired. And so um, while I was at university, I ended up doing an internship at Warby Parker, which was then still an early age startup that was kind of pioneering um, a business for good model. And it was just really exciting to be kind of inside a company that really cared about its impact. And, you know, they were doing a buy one, give one model, which um has become relatively common and, and maybe even considered outdated these days. But at the time, um, it was it was really really exciting, and the work that they were doing then, and that they're still doing now, is is really incredible. So, yeah, that was my first exposure to being inside a company um, that was a sexy brand, uh, for want of a better word, and that was doing you know 
well from a business perspective, but was also making an impact in lots of ways. So they had, you know, their kind of public facing programs that were marketed, but just also internally, like the initiatives that they had for their team members, their internal culture, the kinds of things that they were thinking about from an environmental perspective as well, their supply chain kind of audits, all of that. It was just um, really great to, to have that experience working inside a company. And then after that, I kind of just didn't really look back and um, ended up focusing really on that intersection of, of business for good. Cause I just thought, you know, businesses can move quickly. Um, they have a lot of power with consumers and kind of with governments and, and with even larger businesses to, to drive change forward. And they have the ability to be, be a bit more innovative and experimental. Um, and then of course they have, they have the money cause they're businesses. You've obviously, you know, spent a lot of time in, in this industry, um, but I guess a lot of our listeners may still be trying to understand what social impact is. Um, and, you know, I, from what I understand, there is quite a spectrum to that, that term itself and sustainability and everyone interprets it quite differently. I'd love your help in understanding and defining what makes a socially responsible business. What are the kind of key fundamentals that you would say um, a company would, you know, tick to be considered as one addressing social impact in its uh, in the way it runs its operations? Yep, um, you're right. I mean, there's so many terms that are thrown around. There's social impact, sustainability, responsibility, corporate social responsibility. Um, essentially, kind of what I'm talking about and what a lot of people in the space are really just trying to get at and, and are working on is is a business or any organization, but really we're talking about corporates and, and kind of uh, businesses for the specific, uh, in the specific context. But are they really conscious of the impact that their business and their operations have on the world, on the people living in the world, on the environment? Um, so it can and should encompass everything from diversity, equity, and inclusion to kind of fair, fair labor practices and ethical labor practices to environmental um, sustainability it doesn't always um, often a brand or a business will start looking at just one area but ultimately like the goal should be really to understand um, your impacts as an organization on the planet and on people as a whole um, and try and, and progress to to reducing the negative impacts and increasing the positive ones that was really helpful and then on on the consumer side so as a socially conscious curious consumer how would one begin to find a business or a brand that aligns with their values? What are some questions that we should be asking um, if we're seeking for businesses that are doing good? Yep. I mean, honestly, there are so many things to consider and there's kind of inherent trade-offs between certain decisions. So the place to start is to really think like, what are your values? What's important to you as a consumer and what's prompting you to ask that question? Are you, you know, really anti-plastic waste? So you want to kind of know whether um, a business has a big waste footprint um, or is using plastic as an input for its products. Do you really care about kind of um, global inclusivity and representation? So do you want to support businesses that are owned by women or people of color and that are designed for consumers um, that are brought representative of a broader spectrum of society rather than just kind of one specific niche? Do you um, really care about animal rights and you know do you want to buy vegan products that don't use any animal um animal derived materials there there are so many different angles that that you can take so the first question is is like what's important to you and, and that response you know it might be everything 
but no brand is perfect. And so you really need to prioritize and kind of decide internally what issues are most important to you. And then it comes to just asking questions. So the key is transparency, which sounds really simple, but is much harder for businesses to achieve than you might think. Um, but at a bare minimum, uh, there should be information kind of about what actions brands are taking, whatever areas you're interested in, or the fact that they're not taking any action, but what their plans for action might be. So start by thinking like, what are your priorities? Do you care about the people who are making the product? Do you care about the team kind of at the company who is driving the business forward? Do you care about the environmental impacts that that business might be having? Do you care about animals? Um, do you care about uh, waste in general or specifically plastic waste? Or do you care about deforestation? Kind of pick out the issues that are most important to you and then go look for information um, from the brands. Ask them questions if they haven't. You know, the, the simplest question is kind of like, do you know what the impact, the impacts related to this issue area are? And then the second question is, what are you doing about it? The main thing is that brands are able to engage on those issues, at least at the start. You can't expect a brand to have figured it all out, but you can and should expect that a brand has thought about it if you've thought about it as a consumer and is able to respond to your concerns. And I mean, on the transparency side, I think um, it would be great to hear more around what does that transparency look like? Are there any brands that are getting that right? So a brand puts out vegan products, for instance, and so... Um, that won't necessarily translate to ethical products, just for instance. And then similarly, if it's a fair trade product, that doesn't necessarily translate to being a sustainable product. So what can a brand do while recognizing that, you know, brands should be able to make mistakes, should be able to learn along the journey and still not be kind of penalized for the other areas that they're lacking in, but the great strides that they're taking in certain areas of their supply chain how do we um how should brands become more transparent and what should we look for when we're you know going through their websites and making a purchasing decision yeah great question so if we're talking about physical products which you know for all intents and purposes we, we can focus here because uh, most a lot of consumer brands are focusing on um, physical products um you want to start off you need to know exactly like first principles like what is this product made of that is kind of the first level of information that should be relatively easy to find um, it's the most frustrating thing when you like go to a fashion brand's website for example and they're like yeah this is a soft silky material or they say it's velvet which like is a is a type of of weave but it doesn't necessarily say what actual fabric the velvet is made out of so you need to go and look for as much detail about the actual materials that are used for ma making the product then you want to know like as much about the processes. So how is this product made? Where was it made? Um, how is it treated? This can be a little bit tougher to find, but it's still worth checking for. And again, brands that are really committed to kind of transparency should be able to provide that information, um, especially if you kind of follow up with an email question or, or reach out to their customer service teams. Then you want to know who who's making this product. First, where is the factory located? Second of all, like who are the actual people working there? What type of people are they um, mostly women are they mostly an ethnic minority where in the world are they based and and you know really like what are the working conditions that they're working in how much are they being paid this information is very rarely available from brands but it's um it's becoming increasingly asked for and so i think over the next few years we will see more brands come out and kind of um start sharing this information but you can kind of 
assume, you know, the, the tricky part is, is sometimes when it comes to this level of granularity, brands don't know themselves. Supply chains can be incredibly, incredibly complex. Some, you know, fast fashion brands have supplier numbers in the thousands. Their own teams don't go visit them all. They kind of can switch suppliers regularly. And then those suppliers are all sourcing materials from, you know, from thousands of other kind of intermediate organizations. So it is easier to shop ethically are you, kind of when you're... Um, when are you you're able to share an example of what that looks like? Of what, what looks of like supply chain. Uh, in terms of a supply chain that's subcontracting and then they're sourcing materials from somewhere else. Is there an organization that we can kind of uh, use as an example for folks? Yeah, to I mean, I don't think I need to call out like any single organization. To be honest, like most most retailers that are producing at serious, serious scale. So if you think of a retailer that probably has like stores that number in the thousands rather than the hundreds, their supply chain is probably pretty complex. Um, on the other hand, if you're buying from smaller brands that are producing in smaller quantities, they are more likely to have more insight into every stage of that process because like they've had to go and kind of set up that supply chain themselves, find the materials, find the person to make it. That that correlation isn't always true. There are some brands producing at scale that, you know, have more insight into their supply chain than, than smaller ones. But um, ultimately, like transparency isn't easy for businesses so I think pretending that it's easy kind of does them a disservice but it is something that is increasingly necessary and something that should be prioritized so um, I think it's fair for us as consumers to be pushing all brands no matter their size towards kind of greater transparency when it comes to their supply chains. And I understand that obviously transparency for a smaller brand, so a very niche startup that's just kind of getting to market versus a large multi-billion dollar company um, that has multiple people involved in their supply chain, multiple different uh, areas that are impacted by the supply chain, them, them building like a transparent and visibility into how that operates versus a small business is very different. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, it is. It's a totally different task. That doesn't mean um, that both types of organizations shouldn't be striving to it. And I don't think, you know, I don't want to stand here and say that smaller brands should be held to a higher degree of transparency than bigger ones. But I think given the current state of the world, like it will require massive organizations to invest a ton of resource and it might take quite a bit of time for them to achieve um, the same level of transparency that a smaller brand should be able to achieve kind of in a shorter period of time and with less money. So everyone should be um, moving towards it. But at least kind of initially, I think you can expect smaller brands to be more responsive and more reactive. It, you know, I don't want to put a bigger burden on them, but they're building their supply chains from scratch kind of likely more recently mm -hmm. than larger legacy brands are. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would say initially, if, you're, if, you, if, if transparency is a priority for you, you're more likely to find it with smaller brands than bigger brands, but you should expect it from everyone. I'm curious to understand. So a small enterprise that's just kind of getting started what are, what are the kind of first things they should be focusing on to focus on that transparency because obviously um, you need data to be able to put something forward to your community and build that transparency around so where should a brand begin if they are focused on offering more visibility in how they operate yeah well, I think, you know, if you're if we're talking from the perspective of kind of small brands or challenger brands at the moment, 
they are probably in business doing things in a slightly different way, asking a lot of questions, offering kind of a new solution to an old problem. And so I would say just take that same approach that you're taking to start your business and channel it into kind of your your impact work as well. So it's all about just asking questions and getting as much information as you can as an individual into how your product is made and who the people are behind your business. So it you know it's as simple as kind of if you're onboarding a new supplier to provide um, supplies for your office, just ask like who owns this company? Where do they get their products? How are they making their products? If you're looking for a supplier to produce something for you or a manufacturer, ask how many people work at this factory? How much do you pay them? What is the makeup? Um, how long do people stay at this job? It's just about being curious and just asking as many questions as possible and collecting as much information. You know, the first step is getting that information anecdotally and kind of keeping it all in one place. Then over time, you can, you know, verify it externally. You can, you know, double, triple check it. You can collect numbers around it. But um, people are often surprised when they come to me and they say, like, I want to I wanna be more sustainable or be more ethical. How can I do it? And and really the first step is just asking as many questions as you can to people who you're already working with um, and people who you're planning on working with and just kind of getting as much of a view into how your product is made um, and who's behind it and kind of what processes are behind it as possible. It would be interesting to understand how that impacts the growth of that brand. Um, I guess because a lot of people, when they think of starting a business, they often think, oh, okay, I'm entering a rat race and there's a lot of competition and I need to get my business out there as soon as possible. And that often means compromising values. That means compromising a number of things across the supply chain. So getting things done quicker and cheaper, um, which means, for instance, your workers may not be being offered a living wage. And, And so that seems to be a common theme running within the startup space. How do we move away from that so that brands understand, well, not even just brands, just any kind of founder that's thinking of start starting up something, even if it's service-based, to think about things in a different way, that it's okay to build a business slowly and it's okay to build a business that does prioritize values and ethics across all areas or as much as possible because we also need to recognize that a company can't get everything right, but we need to start somewhere. So how do we balance that um, that process while we're also trying to get something out there in the marketplace? Yeah, well, I think there's almost two questions there. So the first is kind of about how, like how can small brands kind of prioritize impact when, when they know they can't get it all right in the first place? And then the second is kind of why they should anyway. To, mm-hmm. the, to the first question, I would say, look, it's okay if you are not going to be completely ethical or sustainable. You know, it's, it's really almost impossible to become completely ethical or sustainable as a business anyway, but it's okay if you're not doing it all right. The important thing is that you still take the time to understand where you're not quite up to par. Like very few, um, very few companies that manufacture products, if any, can kind of guarantee that every single person that's involved in their supply chain is paid a living wage, but you probably still just want to get information. So you know, like where you stand on that rank. I think there's, you know, there can be a kind of attitude of wanting to bury your head in the sand a little bit and be like, well, I know like this packaging isn't sustainable. So I don't even want to talk about sustainability at all. 
thing is, is yeah. like, it's okay if, if at first your packaging isn't sustainable because you can't do everything right all the time. But what isn't yeah. okay is if you and don't even bother. Yeah, if you don't even bother to get the information, like you should at least understand how your packaging is unsustainable and exactly what the negative impacts of it are so that when you're in a position to make a change, you're better equipped to make that positive change. So I'm not saying like every single decision that you need to make as, a, you know, start, when starting a small business needs to be mm -hmm. with like, you know, impact, whether social or environmental first, but it's still important to ask the questions. Um, and if you want to look at it from kind of a more almost uh, an alternative view that could resonate with with business owners that don't really care that much about impact, you're really just mitigating your risk because better that you know where the issues are that could come up when it comes to impact already rather than someone else brings it to you and you've never even heard of it because then you're not prepared at all. So I do think, you know, that it's important to be asking those questions, whether or not you're in a position to make changes immediately, just so you understand kind of what your baseline is. Um, and then when you do start to make improvements, you know where you are making those improvements from. So I think that was the first question. The second question is, why is it important to consider those things? Well, I mean, the first one, it sounds obvious, but it's just becoming increasingly true. Like, you're probably going to do better at business because consumers all around the world are increasingly beginning to care about this stuff even more than they did. And it's one of those things where it's like almost exponential in terms of the change in attitudes. Like for years and years, everyone in kind of sustainability and social impact has been trying to prove that consumers care about this stuff. And like, there's never really been the, the financial data to back it up. It's always been like, consumers say they care about this stuff, but eventually they'll go buy the cheaper option anyway. They won't spend more. But over the last year, I think it's become increasingly clear that like consumers are getting informed really quickly their level of kind of education around social environmental issues has just skyrocketed especially in 2020 um probably will be even more so in 2021 so if you don't want to get left behind as a business um it's important that you start asking yourself these questions because like the people that you're selling to whether today or tomorrow or six months from now or even three years from now are going to be asking it and it's better that you kind of are ahead of the tide um and second of all you know I think we are going to see well I hope I mean I know you're you're with me on this and you should probably kind of explain the work that you're doing around zebras united over here but I think that we're going to see a big kind of reaction to all of these sky high valuations for companies that aren't profitable yet mm -hmm. or that are pursuing growth at all costs and kind of see yeah. a turn towards really admiring founders and entrepreneurs that are able to like prove that their businesses and their products actually create value um, because they're they're generating revenues for it so I don't think it's about like growing quick as much anymore but it's like actually growing in terms of revenue and profits and and kind of growing in a way that's real and connected to like the value that you're delivering to, to your customers yeah absolutely um, I think you just raised some really really wonderful points around how uh, really it's not, I guess what you're saying is that, you know, building impact into the DNA of a business is not only good for uh, the world, but it's also good for businesses themselves to maintain that profitability and to stay in the game and be a part of the new economy that's being built. Um, businesses need to start listening to their consumers and their consumers are actively asking these questions. And what we're seeing in the startup space, the work that Zebra Unite has been doing such a fantastic 
um, job off and they've built an entire kind of movement with thousands of people that are looking at building businesses in an alternative way. And the focus is very much on how do we build businesses that are better for the world, but also focus on sustainability so that we're revenue generating, we're building profitable enterprises, we're leaning less on investors and focusing more on community and customers. And so that's why the cooperative model is really, really taking off. And I feel like that really is a model that's going to resonate more and take a big, um, it's going to see a big kind of uh, surge in, in the new economy because people want to be able to um, own the businesses that they've contributed to. And we're seeing less of that where, you know, businesses where that are, serving their shareholders and they're um they're taking uh big dividends in in the in in the times that we're living in right now and uh their employees are getting laid off whilst the shareholders are you know taking home millions of pounds and we've seen that you know some of the top like the top one percent have grown their wealth um by billions of dollars and it's crazy how businesses are actually currently designed to only benefit a small group of society and so i think there's going to be a big shift in that and that's why all the points that you just made i feel like are so key for businesses to understand and incorporate into how they set themselves up um as they move forward and build their enterprises because a lot's going to change and it, and it's already changing from what I can tell. And yeah, I guess that I really hope it is, to be honest, because you know, the model that you described just isn't um is like you say, only working for very few and, and isn't working for the number of people that that it should be working for. Um I think it's interesting because you just raised an, another key aspect of, of social impact that I think has kind of come to the forefront of a lot of people's minds, particularly during COVID, which is like how do companies take care of their own, you know? Um mm-hmm. they're there are so many aspects to impact and like, it's okay also for organizations to like look inward and start, start from kind of within first before, you know, donating a ton to charity or looking at like what external initiatives that they can support. Like maybe, you know, you just pay all of the people that work on your team a fair salary and, you know, support them when they're going through things and you try and keep as many people employed as possible um, there are there are always going to be trade-offs look like maybe to to pay everyone really well you have to employ a few people so you're creating less jobs like it, it's it's all about there is never one silver bullet solution there's not kind of like one approach to impact that will help you check every single box environmental supply chain social kind of internal diversity equity and inclusion but like again, just try and, and, and think about a big picture and see like, where can I actually make more of an impact than I am currently? Yeah, absolutely. I guess there will probably be criticism to this, but I know that there is a huge need for sustainability and sustainable brands. And yes, climate change is something that's very, very important right now. But it does you know, rub me up the wrong way when I see brands focusing on sustainability before they focus on prioritizing humans and their supply chain. And I'm just interested to hear what your thoughts are on you know, where fair trade has taken a back seat in the interest of prioritizing sustainability. Why is that? And you know, what has made that okay? I think both are incredibly, incredibly important because you don't address environmental concerns like we're facing climate crisis, there will be no planet. But at the same time, like we, like you say, like we should not be doing it at the expense of human lives. 
that are currently like on the planet. I think this is where like taking a holistic approach to impact is really, really important. And the issue is less like brands focusing on environment at the expense of social and brands just like doing single initiatives and kind of zeroing in on one issue that they feel like is topical um, and that they feel like they have easy solutions for when really it's kind of about engaging with all of the different types of impacts that your organization um, makes. So I think this is just where like brands need to be taking a more holistic approach. Like it, 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 it's an easy, it's almost an easy win to pick one area, which um, your competitors are all working on, your consumers clearly care about, you can do a couple of initiatives in that area and ignore all of the rest. Um, it's much more work to actually delve into like how all of your impacts might involve trade-offs There might be, um, they might be interrelated and like you should be kind of addressing all of them. I'm not saying, again, not all brands can be perfect and you can't, you know, not all brands should try and do everything, but they should consider and assess and evaluate their impacts in all areas. Um, I do... I do agree that there has been, you know, a lot of focus from consumers on the, you know, particularly like carbon footprinting is like a, a common trendy thing at the moment. Fair trade was really common needed. a few years ago. Now diversity, it, equity, and inclusion is trendy for a few months. The fact right, is, is like right. none of these things should be a trend. All of yes. them should be things that brands are like consistently thinking about, whether or not yeah. they're like the most popular thing on Instagram that month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, what does it take to be, um, you know, mindful of people and the planets and everything else that we've been discussing while building a brand? Because I also recognize that it is very difficult. We've discussed this today and you've mentioned it a few times that brand can't get all of the areas right. But what does it take to do to, you know, take the first two, few steps to um, get started? Is it just focusing on transparency and asking all the right questions or do you think brands could go beyond that? this idea that brands are often playing catch up. So it's reacting to what consumers are showing they're interested in, but, but the initiatives are almost too late when brands need to be less reactive and more proactive. Like if you started thinking about diversity and equity inclusion years ago, when you should have been thinking about it, you would be better positioned and less likely to be called out when Black Lives Matter movement came to the forefront. And then there, and there were brands that, you know, had been doing things right for a longer period of time. So that comment kind of links to my response to this question, which is really be proactive and don't start with what consumers care about. Assume that consumers care about you doing better across the board initially and start with like, what impacts is your business actually responsible for? So like, where are you making a bigger impact? If you're a small brand that like works with a few, you know, kind of family run factories to produce your pro product, you can probably feel generally good about that area. And it might make sense for you to focus more on your environmental impacts because like your social impacts are, are, are to a decent baseline. You know, if you're a company that has a great internal company culture and like really low attrition rates and you've got like employees who've been there for years, maybe you can focus a little bit less on your internal culture and you can start looking at your supply chain and your, your manufacturing. But like you need to actually start with like understanding what the impacts of your business are and kind of where you're falling short and then build your activities around that. Like I'm, I'm not one of those people that doesn't think that like brands shouldn't market their activities or try and get consumers to engage with them. But the fact is, is like consumer engagement will come when the um, brand activity and the brand impact is thoughtful, meaningful, connected to the business. So those are all things that you should start 
start with like what is actually like which issues are most relevant for your business because like they're the ones that like your kind of operations manufacturing or, Mm. or product or service are creating the most impact on I love that yeah that's really really helpful advice do certifications and um accreditations play any role there in offering that visibility what what are your thoughts on that industry as a whole oh I think it's tricky because there's so many frameworks um out there and like they vary in terms of adoption and quality and there's you know there's always an element of once a certification you know there's a bit of a trade-off for certification organizations because they want their certification to mean something but they also need it to be widely adopted for it to be relevant and respected which means kind of setting criteria that are achievable for a decent number of organizations. Um, When it comes to certifications from the consumer side, I would have a look to actually see what the certification means and understand like whether uh, as much as possible, like whether the requirements are, are achievable for a small brand versus a big brand. Maybe, you know, if it's a big brand, like they should be adhering to this because it's, it's simple. It wouldn't cost them anything relative to their um, profit model. Um, so why aren't they doing it? If it's a smaller brand, like maybe it's a l- little bit less of an investment. But from a brand side, I would say like definitely be aware of the certifications that are relevant to your product and your business. Have a look at the requirements and whether or not you actually pursue official certification. Use those. Use the certification requirements as useful benchmarks for kind of the right direction to go, whether it's organic certification, regenerative organic certification, supplier um, kind of auditing standards, living wage standards. You might not get that. You might not get that official check mark because the bureaucracy might be too difficult to navigate or it could be out of your um, out of your budget to get it immediately. But that doesn't mean that you can't start reviewing, um, reviewing the requirements and kind of using them to guide your 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 impact work because um, the fact is, is some smart people have sat there and kind of developed some standards related to to your industry or your product or your practices. Um, and so they've done a lot of the work for you in kind of regarding how, you know, in, in outlining how to level up. So I would start with, you know, just trying to meet the, the requirements. And then once it makes sense to you, can you can add the official certification um, as and as in when it makes sense for you too. And and do you think it's necessary to get all the certifications that, like, for instance, if you are selling vegan products, as an example, or you are a living wage employer, um, you are dedicated to, you're a B Corp, you're reducing your carbon footprint. I mean, there's a lot of options available, and I'm assuming it's not affordable um, for every brand. So how important are these certifications? I think it really depends. And I don't think I could give kind of an overarching response for all of them. What I would say, though, is that like, the most important thing is that like, you're doing, you're doing the things that you say you're claiming you are. And what the certifications often do is just like a third party validation that you're doing it. But if there's other ways that you can prove that through transparency, through, you know, storytelling, especially if you're a smaller brand, like start with that and see see how many, you know, I think organic is a really interesting one because, you know, sometimes um, getting official organic certification can be a pretty arduous process for really small farms. So there's, you know, lots of farms and people sourcing from those farms that are using organic pa- practices that might not be certified organic. 
Is it worth pursuing organic certification? Maybe, but like really from an impact perspective, the most important thing is that you're you're using those organic practices. So I think it just depends. It will ultimately depend on how much trust you can generate with the consumer. And if you're taking a holistic, transparent approach and explaining why you haven't pursued certain certifications, even though the kind of values or the aims of those certifications align with yours as a brand, I think that can be fine to start off with. Thanks for that. And um, I think you've shared some really, really incredible tips for brands that are getting started. And I would just love to hear a little bit more about what your day-to-day job as a social impact strategist entails um, when you're focusing on, you know, different areas of a business. Um, what What is involved in that process? Yeah, well, it really varies, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoy what I do. But kind of ultimately, it boils down to helping brands action, some of the advice that I've kind of suggested through this conversation. So going in and and doing a lot of like stakeholder interviews and research to find out like, what does this business look like? What do the operations look like? What resources does it have? And and by resources, I don't just mean financial. I mean, kind of like, does it have a brand brand platform? What expertise do they have in-house? Like, what do its networks look like? And and really kind of helping um, do that audit to, to uncover any areas where the brand is really doing well from an impact perspective and just as importantly, kind of any areas that it's falling short. So the first thing, like I just go in and help a brand, um, whatever the size, whatever the industry do kind of what I'm recommending everyone else does and just go and ask a lot of questions to figure out where you stand and what your baseline is. Um, Then the second stage would be actually kind of once a brand has figured out kind of where it stands on a lot of different issues, picking a few areas that are priority areas and building out some initiatives um, that can help them kind of improve their impact. So that could be finding a different uh, or a better supplier for something. It could mean building a partnership with another brand and industry organization. I can't, you know, I can't be specific here because it, it really does depend on, on that business and what opportunities there are to do good. But I just kind of help that business try and figure out um, how they can make a slightly more positive impact or kind of reduce some of their negative impacts and who needs to be involved, whether it's um, nonprofit, another brand, a supplier. And then finally, it's like communicating that impact in a really accessible, compelling way so that consumers um, know that you've done it. You know, there's a lot of brands that are actually doing a little bit more um, around social and environmental impact than they like to communicate. Um, because they're worried that they haven't gone that far. But the problem is, is that when consumers go and look for that information, there's nothing available. So it feels like there's nothing going on. So it's just about sharing kind of your progress in a way that isn't greenwashing and isn't making massive claims, but is kind of sharing what your status is, what you're doing about it when it comes to impact and and kind of where you plan to head. Um, So day to day, it's, it's, it it can really vary, but I, I'm at the moment, I'm working with a lot of kind of smaller startups mostly fashion, food, consumer products, and kind of some hospitality, some hospitality companies and, and helping them with everything from kind of sorting out their applications for B Corp certification to calculating their carbon footprints. Wonderful. And what are some brands that I, I know that you've done uh, um, some amazing work with Sephora in a way? Are there any other examples of work that you want to share? Ooh. Um, yeah, one of the projects that I was really, really excited to be involved in last year was the launch um, of a new herbal tea brand called Kib. Uh, the yeah, the, the company that hired me is basically almost like a 
an agricultural company based out in Ethiopia that has that sources um, fresh produce and herbs from hundreds of small farms in Ethiopia that use organic agriculture, that use regenerative farming practices. And so they had all these excess herbs available and they're like, what can we do with these? And so they decided that they were going to kind of dry the herbs and launch a herbal tea brand. So I was kind of involved in um, really bringing that brand to life and, and kind of figuring out what the positioning would be and um, yeah, how to tell that story of regenerative agriculture and circularity in a way that, that really resonated. Yeah, that was that was a project. Sorry, where can we learn more about Kip? Oh, just go to kibtea.com. Um, the tea is honestly actually quite delicious. When you order a box and kind of open open the, the you know, whatever the delivery box that it comes in, like you can just smell the flavors immediately because it's all like really oh, wow. fresh, really high quality, um, quite high quality herbs. So my favorite flavor is the ginger lemon turmeric. One other example to kind of show yeah, the yeah, contrast. Yeah, like, so I was working in partnership with a social impact consultancy called Reconsidered. Um, to kind of help MailChimp, which does I a love lot of great their newsletters. Oh, reconsidered, yeah. Yes, I love their newsletters. Really great newsletters, um, and just like building a really great community for professionals in the social impact CSR space. Um, but yeah, we we were helping um, kind of MailChimp think through measurement for its its community investment programs, and MailChimp's corporate citizenship team is just amazing. Um, you know, they've, they've supported hundreds of local grassroots organizations in, um, in Atlanta, which is their headquarter. And yeah, just a, a totally different model of impact than KIB, totally different organization, but still um, really aligned with kind of what I like to do, which is just helping organizations make an impact in the way that makes most sense for their business. And, and a fun fact about MailChimp, they're completely self-funded to billion they've yeah they've become a billion dollar company through self-funding without um vc money i believe is that right yeah i think so i think they're they're like one of those model companies that people look to for you know didn't didn't take a ton of external investment grew um slowly but really like based on profit and and almost like it's a it's yeah. a billion dollar bootstrap business i guess <laughs> yeah oh, amazing Thank you, Amira. Any closing remarks or anything that you want to share around how, um, you know, whether you're a founder or a consumer or an ally of the social impact space or someone that's just curious how they can get started on re-envisioning business um, beyond yeah. what you've already shared, which has been so, so incredible? Um, no, I think the only advice that I would give is like, don't be intimidated. I think oftentimes people, um, when I'm working with clients, it's really to just give 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 businesses a little bit of confidence in their ability that they're doing the right thing or that they're able to make an impact but ultimately like we can all um at a organizational level or at an individual level make small changes to do things slightly better um I'm a really big believer in incremental change I think it can feel really scary to think oh I want to be a sustainable consumer or I want to be a sustainable business I need to rethink every single thing that I'm doing um, just start small. Don't be afraid to start small and just start by asking a lot of questions and being curious and kind of interrogating um, the effects and impacts of the decisions um, that you make or, or the kind of way that you do things currently and, and see where there's opportunities to try new things. Um, yeah, and if anyone kind of wants any help thinking these things through, um, I'm around. Always, always love to um, to get in contact and to speak to small businesses and startups that are interested in thinking through how they can do things a little bit better. 
Thank you, Mira. And I can highly recommend you as a social impact strategist. You've done some incredible work for some of our campaigns and clients, and it's been such a joy working with you. Mira, where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about your work? Ooh, I'm very online, so everywhere. Um, you can visit my website, amirajiwa.com, for a little bit more information about my work. Um, and follow me on Instagram, amirajiwa. And then I'm on Twitter as well, uh, at, at, what is my handle on Twitter? It's Amira with three A's <laughs> in the middle. But if you go to my website, um, you'll be able to kind of find links to everything else. And I'm, again, always excited to chat to people who are interested in impact, social, environmental, all of it. Super. Thank you so much, Amira. This has been so, so educational. I really appreciate you coming on. Of course. I can't, um, yeah, I can't wait to, to listen to all the other episodes in this series and, and learn from everyone that you're speaking to about re-envisioning business. We'll be back on the first Wednesday of every month with a new episode. To ensure you don't miss out, please subscribe to Reinvision Business on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or something else. If you've enjoyed our episode, please leave us a five-star review so that others can learn about Reinvision Business. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter with the handle UpEffect for updates on the next episode. Until next month.